Here we are for another episode of the Superhero Movie Club, your podcast for an introspective look at comic book movies. We look at movies from new angles to create engaging and enlightening conversation. This week, thank you for joining us for part two of our talk on The Dark Knight, one of, if not the, greatest superhero movie ever made. So join us as we explore in this special episode... The Psychology of the Dark Knight. Here in the studio with me today is psychology studier, Batman fan, Twitter mogul, and dear friend, Alec Peterson. Hi, thank you for having me. Hey, Alec is here. We call him AP. That's what I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have another name? Well, Alec is is one most people go to, but I mean, I was just too dumb growing up during T-ball to recognize when people said Alex or Alec, so I just run to the bench to third base. This is miscommunication. Oh, hold on, hold on. Would you like to create a stage name right now? Um, This is your moment. Have you appeared on media before? I mean, none that I can speak of right here. (laughs) What street did you grow up on? And uh, (laughs) what what is that gag? (laughs) Um, it's, it's the name of your pet, I think, uh-huh. and, uh, your street name. Okay. So, so what... I'd be a Rolly West Lewis. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that doesn't really roll off the tongue very well. That's not very arousing either. So. R- Rolly Les... Rolly. R-O-L-L-I-E. Rolly? Rolly. <laughs> G- guess what? My, my, my childhood dog, he liked to roll around. Oh my so, gosh. Oh so yeah. You named him that? Yeah. So your new stage name is Rolly... West Lewis. Okay. Say that five times fast and you will you will trip up. But it's it's what we're here for. We're here to talk about psychology yep. and the characters of the Batman Dark Knight trilogy because that's what you're into and that's also what I'm into. So let's get into each other. Sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> so start us off, AP. I know you have I know you have some points you want to talk about, some some psychological terminology. That is that is moozing around in your head here. Yeah. And, and it all starts with Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. So so take us on a little ride. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, as you said, Mauer, um, I'm not anything more than a psychology studier. Like, third-year psych, psych student here, so um, let me just discredit myself right off the bat. <laughs> um, That's what we do here. Yeah. But basically... Um, a lot of the points I'll be extrapolating on come from uh, Travis Langley's um, "A Dark and Stormy Night," night with a K. With a with a K. Uh, yep, and that's of like three hundred page novel all about the uh, psychology of Batman, and, it, and it's really really interesting. But and he says like um, each of the um, three movies has a main theme, where fear being the first one in Batman Begins, and I think he's totally spot on with that. Not like the first villain is, oh, I use fear gas. That's it. That's my thing. Yeah, it's not, not very subtle, but it's, it's effective um, because fear is a, a very, very prominent uh, shaper, I guess, or uh, has the most impact on, or maybe not the most, but it has a great impact on the basic development during our childhood experiences. It really just helps shape us, especially seen in like Bruce Wayne falling down, falling down that unfateful well. 
Uh, or fateful well unfateful it's a very it is a floozy floozy well he's everyone, not the only child that everyone down dips on. their bucket in that well <laughs> you know um, there, he had a, it had a long relationship with timmy beforehand yeah but we kind of see after that that fall um bruce kind of turns from this like happy-go-lucky kid that kind of has everything given to him into those like fearful fearful and like anxious child who like constantly nuzzles up to to thomas and Martha, it's Martha Wayne. Yes, yes, and kind of uses his parents as a shield, um, both emotionally and later physically. As <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. Yeah. Um, so the bats swarm Batman with the Bruce Wayne, um, and so that is kind of a, a catalyst to some sort of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder as a child, as he's in the theater, and he gets these like flashbacks to Pretty bats. Much has an yeah. anxiety attack in exactly. That theater. Yeah. You know, he leaves the theater. I assume everyone has seen this, so I don't know why I'm recapping it. But <laughs> Batman the, origin yes, story. The, yeah. His parents die in front yeah. of him. It's so, terrifying. So Batman feels um, extremely responsible for this at growing up. He he becomes vulnerable and like a remove and, and like any sense of safety is totally removed from his life. Um, opposed from Alfred, which well, yeah. really isn't touched on too much during those scenes. Um, as a child, I think there's one small one as he's being carried in. But other than that, not too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it this way. The whole point leading up to that was just Bruce and his these moments with his parents. And most of the time, they're just sort of leading up these foreshadowing moments. But at the same time, describing how they're extremely wealthy socialites. They're like the the most dependable people in Gotham. They're doing everything possible within their power to help this city. I mean, Thomas Wayne is a is a doctor, a man who does nothing but heals. Uh, is Martha a doctor too? I, I forget. Uh, but Martha also does very humanitarian things, I'm certain. But the, the thing is, all of – he's witnessing his parents like we're building the utopia here in Gotham City pretty much. And then suddenly none of it mattered because all it takes – is one crazy guy with a gun who wants some pearls yeah. to take away both of their lives, whether or not a child is there or any other factor that would deter them. Doesn't matter. You've got a, well, a wallet with money in it. I'm going to kill you to get that wallet. Mm. I don't care if you made me a train. Um, so that kind of touches on the whole theme of Batman Begins, which is fear. And this theme is, is very prevalent in Batman franchise as a whole. As towards the end of this film, Batman literally, like, literally, um, starts to fight fear. Um, yeah. Embodied by Dr. Uh, Doctor Crane. The Scarecrow. Uh, and then he makes... You mean Cillian yeah. Murphy? Because that dude is the living embodiment of fear. Yeah. So when he, when, when as Batman, you make the embodiment of fear terrified of you, like, that is an insanely powerful weapon. <laughs> How do you, what, at what moment are you just like, oh, I'm afraid of heights? So I'm just going to take all of the criminals and put them up very, very high. So he did the same thing, but with bats. Yeah, pretty much. He's lucky he got some sort of, like, animal and not, like, <laughs> clowns. <laughs> oh! I you wouldn't, The opposite you, of bats? You, you would want to see Clown Man? Well, he'd beat the Joker. Oh. Derp-a-derp. Yeah, derp. derp <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just, I guess I just... Un, un, uh, unconsciously. Could you ever think about that. that for a moment? Like, say that Batman was just known as this vigilant, vigilante called, like, 
clown man, mm-hmm. and he would just he kicked he kicked ass. Yeah, but he terrified people in a clown outfit. Yeah, isn't that kind of like the Red Hood, like alternate universe, where oh, where, yeah. where like the Super League or wherever, like um, the crime syndicate yeah, of Red, Earth Three, Red Hood versus. Owl man. <laughs> I like that they chose owls as the uh, antithesis to bats. I guess instead of what mice. I mean, what do bats eat? Fruit. Fruit. Yeah. And, and so he could have been so, Apple Man. Yeah, just a whole bunch of like Hanes, brief commercial esque vigil <laughs> uh, villains running around. <laughs> okay, so fear. Yep. Scarecrow. Fear. I'm not scared of it anymore. I'm going to use it against you, punk. Mm-hmm. And at the same time. This whole Ra's al Ghul main plot. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, well, that plot was more or less about his moral code, I feel. Like, yeah. I'm not going to kill. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to become you. But anyway, like, a very prevalent scene is when he first encounters Scarecrow, and he gets hit with the nerve gas and lit on fire. And it's not that the <laughs> the fire affects him. Like, nothing, like, physically um, really got to him that that movie until his back gets broken. But that's two movies later. Anyway, it's like the mental inhibition that really cripples him because he's just lying on that rooftop in the rain, basically calling for his daddy in in the form of Alfred. Being completely engulfed in flames really didn't have any effect on him. He smoldered. You bet he smoldered. But um, it was it was the 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 fear instilled in him that was able to get to him. But um, a common psychological or a clinical form of treatment is exposure. And what more exposure can there be? Well, exposure, just for a general definition, is like, um, you know, you have a fear, you're cognitive, what you're afraid of. So you like gently expose yourself to it. I'm afraid of taking a bath. So so what do I do? Day one, you f- you I feel, look at it. Yeah, you look at the bath. Basically, like baby day, steps. Day two, I turn on the water, mm-hmm. but don't touch it. Day three, I dip a toe in the water. Day 25, finally, I have bathed. Pretty much. Um, and the the DVD extra, um, The Psychology of Batman, says that they do exposure really well. And, again, I am only the studier. But it, he kind of went just head first in, into the, the whole exposure thing. Like, I'm going to literally become a bat <laughs> man. Um, and then I'm going to go into a cave full of bats and just kind of let them swarm around me. So hopefully that'll do the trick. Like, screw this baby step stuff. I need to <laughs> Let's this, get this, this moving. This, this needs to get over with now. Crime is happening with or without me. Mm-hmm. So he uses, uses that to cope and w- with his fear and, you know, end of the movie. He's not afraid anymore. Uh, go figure. He uses his la- his father's dying words to him as as a means to overcome his problems and sock, stop, sock crane right in the kisser. Pow. <laughs> Wham. <laughs> so that's basically the main theme of... Batman Begins and psychologically, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, isn't Doctor Crane's position a psychologist? I think so. Yeah, pretty I think sure maybe he's, he's a like psychologist. a Harley Quinn stand-in. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> he was around long before Harley Quinn. Yeah, but Batman Begins that happens, and then then we get to Dark Knight, where it is just reeking with these social commentary, mm-hmm. um, as well as just personal battles, confliction of values. Uh, every, like, the action scenes are so much more than just punch, punch, kick, kick, batarang, batarang. Yeah. And, like, is what I'm doing right? Because that's really the main goal of a superhero story is once you give someone superheroic powers, okay, 
at first, you can give them a very shallow villain to fight, and that's all good and fun to watch. But eventually, there's only so far superheroic powers can go, and you have to you have to create the conflict of, am I using these correctly? With Batman, The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. that's where we go. Yeah, because the Joker wants to challenge it. He wants to make he wants to make it all go away. He just wants to see that city burn. Yes. And so, like, Batman has to choose between his love of Mackie Gyllenhaal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or th- his love of his city by choosing the by choosing Dent in that very pivotal scene where he has to and – he, and he chose Maggie Gyllenhaal and he paid for it. Let's get specific. Yeah. All right? Batman is a fascist. All right? Okay. No matter what I say – I love Batman, okay? We're just going off some talking points here. And, you know, the fascist tendencies. So fascist, a uncompromising ruler Mm -hmm. of a a nation. And Batman's nation is Gotham City. His parents were the feudal lords, pretty much, of Gotham City. They, They provided transportation for the serfs and safety and protection. And then they went away. And now Batman, with all of their wealth and all of their power, has to do something so that his city doesn't collapse because now he has become the ruler. And instead of doing what his parents did because it didn't work because they got shot in an alley, he decides, I'm going to take the fight straight to the punks burning the city from within. I'm going to become the Batman. And, you know, this doesn't really work because – He's now, instead of fighting crime at a social level, an economic level, he's fighting crime at a very physical level, and it's badass. No worries. Vigilantism is cool when everyone turns out all right. But what he's the, if you take a step back and just look at the broad thing of what he's doing, he's trying to instill fear into his enemies. With just overwhelming power and knowledge, you know. I know where you are. You don't know where I am. I'm going to punch you. I've got the high tech that's going to overwhelm you. But what this does is he wants to control them, right? That's the main goal, isn't it? Stop all crime. Control citizens. What this does is it makes him a reactionary fascist, pretty much. So he's kind of a terrorist, honestly. Because what's the end goal here? He he wants to make sure all the citizens are safe, right, and stop all the criminals. But the way he's doing it is by scaring people and beating them up. How do the citizens feel safe if you're making just the criminals worried? Um, I think that's like a if-then-then-so type scenario. Like if the criminals are all afraid to commit crimes, then the um, citizens are then – Safer? Yeah, but then the citizens are all afraid to commit crimes. I wouldn't say that's necessarily a bad thing. Yes, but I mean you're not you're not you're not creating a scenario where they inherently don't want to commit crimes because it doesn't benefit them. Or what I mean is like I have a job, I have a working family, I have no need to commit a crime because I'm doing great in my life. My socioeconomic status, my value of life has increased. Not my socioeconomic status is terrible. I just don't want to go out and commit a crime because I'm going to get beat up. Yeah, well, I'd say a majority of people, I guess, I, I can't speak for the Gotham population. I, I I don't know how many of them are inherently driven to commit a crime. Like, I wouldn't say 
Um, so many. It's unreal. Be, yeah. I wouldn't say having that sort of like, I guess, iron fist um, type of Batman fascism <laughs> is would necessarily be like a um, violation of any like freedoms. Like, I don't think there's any picket lines going like, I want the freedom to commit a crime whenever, <laughs> wherever, maybe. Well, it's the it's the debate of security versus freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, Batman acts outside the law. He's a vigilante. And this is the debate is just, if I'm a citizen and Batman is out there, I know Gotham has gotten to the point, has gotten to the point in all mediums that I can't trust the police. Mm-hmm. So typically you're supposed to be able to trust the police and that they act within the law and that you should know the law. Therefore, you're not going to break it. With Batman, you have someone who said the law is broken. I am going to enact my law and now my word is the rules that you have to follow. Otherwise, I'm going to beat you up and put you through a justice system <laughs> That's still broken? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, more often than not, they just go straight to the asylum, so... And then get out. Yeah. Come on, Batman, it's not working. Yeah. You just have a hero complex. Mm-hmm. Kind of touching on that, what would you think of the bat signal? Because from a psychological point of view, it kind of works both ways. So Gordon or whoever puts up the bat signal at night, um, I'm an ordinary citizen just walking around. Uh, and I see that, and it's almost Pavlovian in the fact where, hey, I see that, that's a stimuli, my brain um, reacts to that and says, like, hey, uh, there's this bat dude out, and if he is so all-encompassing, I should be safe right now, and and that inhibits, or that, not inhibits, but that, that creates a, a positive reaction in the city. But there's also, like, the the bat signal goes up. That's Big Brother. Yeah, kind of. That's an eye in the sky looking down on you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's like a security camera. End end of the film, uh, the uh, the the bat signal goes out. So, well, what would your take be on that? Well, it's the Dark Knight was really good at tackling the themes of security versus freedom because we we live in a post nine eleven world, and we we live in um, the Patriot Act uh, was a big thing for a long time, and it gave government a lot of uh, jurisdiction in looking at citizens and um, maintaining their security by sacrificing their private freedoms. We're looking at you, but just to make sure that you're safe. And so Batman is sort of that force. He is, quote unquote, the government, in that he is always looking at the citizens from a cathedral tower and making sure that they are safe and he's using his technology that pivotal scene in the dark knight at the very end where he's using all that sonar to look through everyone's cell phone to see what everyone is doing at that exact moment and like that's kind of terrifying to think that someone would have that much insight as to like what you're doing at this moment all all it would take is a some sort of sedition act and no longer could you say anything bad about a certain topic. And then you, if you just whispered it, boom, taken down. And so we just, we trust Batman to not do that, to not, to be uncompromising. So who do you think is, is, is Batman the fascist? And, but then what is Bruce Wayne's role in, because... Uh, a lot of the psychology of Batman is: Does he have split personalities? Does he? Is this just another face he puts on? 
which is the mask. Rachel thinks Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah, that's what everyone thinks. Yeah. Everyone knows Batman is Bruce Wayne is what um Batman is what Bruce Wayne wants to be. It's the hero. Like he's always waiting for the for night to come so that he can go beat up baddies. And what Bruce Wayne is, it's it's <laughs> he is throwing that company into the ground. Honestly, I don't get how the board has not said you shouldn't be in any control of money anymore because we don't even know what you spend it on. You spend it on nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's why he um, made Lucius Fox. Yeah. Is he a CEO, president, anyway? Mm-hmm. But CFO? Because, yeah, because Lucius is in. He can just be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Bruce, is, Bruce is doing good stuff with it. Yeah, buying out yeah, Russian. An anonymous. Buying out an entire yeah. cast of a Russian ballerina. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean. And then right after that, taking a private flight to China. Yeah. When you say that Bruce Wayne wants to be Batman all the time, I find that super interesting because um, a lot of writers or a lot of uh, psychologists will say um, – will bring up the, the point of self-actualization and a lot of Batman writers or, or directors, what have you, will make Bruce Wayne and Batman seem to be like the almost perfect like perfect, like person, like the human ideal. Mm-hmm. Like loads of money, great looking, in great shape, uh, uncompromising will, great integrity. But I feel like – Without Bruce Wayne and Batman working in conjunction, they can't be self-actualized. And when I say that, when I say the term of self-actualization, I re- like refer to uh, Abraham Maslow's like pyramid of needs. Yeah, the, hi- yeah, the Maslow the hierarchy. hierarchy of needs. And like without the very top, yeah, is what self-actualization just finding your purpose in life. It's realizing your potential. It? It's realizing? like being the best you can be. Oh, so if if Bruce Wayne slash Batman truly is this perfect person, like he would be self actualized, but without without Batman, Bruce Wayne can't be self actualized, and without Bruce Wayne, Batman can't be self actualized. But because the two are one and the same, then then you have essentially this this very not I wouldn't say flawless, but actualized person. What would happen if Bruce Wayne went away? If he was just in the cowl all the time? Yeah. What would that do to a person? Well, actually, um, I have this written down. So in the pyramid, there's two, three, four, five, five, five tiers. And so there's physiological needs, which is like air, water, food, shelter. Mm-hmm. Batman could probably find a cave. And <laughs> he, he lives he, in a yeah, cave. Yeah, he's, resource, he's resourceful enough. But without Bruce Wayne and like the finances from Bruce Wayne, that he fails in the next tier, which is safety and security. And that's like your, your financial security, your, your personal health. Like, if you're living in a cave, um, eating whatever you have, you're going to get diseases. You're just – and he has no finances because vigilantism probably doesn't pay um, all that well. Yeah. And it's not like one of his morals is, I am allowed to steal money. Mm-hmm. No. He keeps that integrity intact. Yeah. And and basically, he fails all the other tiers beyond physiological because the next one up is love and belonging. So if you're Batman – and the police are chasing you out of the city that is that you have tried so desperately to um, protect, and you can't go back to just being Bruce Wayne. Like you probably wouldn't feel like you're like you belong there, nor oh, do you feel like you're on, loved. Hold on, hold on. I feel as if he gets some relationships while in the cowl. There's there's Catwoman. There's Catwoman. Yeah. Oh, but, Talia. Damn. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, was blank there. End, end of three was was he felt loved, but was he was he loved in return? I don't think so, and I think the stab wounds like are good evidence for this. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, Dark Knight Batman sort of 
Well, he was very head over heels for 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 Rachel. Yep. And that was being Batman didn't push her away, but like the fact that he was Batman around Talia, it was like, yeah. oh, you killed my father. Yeah. Uh, that can't work out. And I don't know what the deal with Catwoman was. Yeah, it, a lot of this. Well, they got together in the end, yeah. quote unquote. Maybe. I think a lot of this, a lot of the love and belonging, like the the failure in the love department, um, comes from the fact that he is Batman. He's like, oh, if I'm Batman and I've got this entire rogues gallery coming after me, like, is anyone truly safe that is associated with me? Like, not Rachel. Yeah, not nope, nope, not Rachel. Learn that one. And then the next tier up is esteem and acceptance and being valued by others. And I'll just harken back to the the, the cities eventually once you've I think he's out. always valued himself. I think he's always justified what he's doing. I'm I'm avenging my parents. I would counter that with the fact that he he is still I I I don't know if they've ever done an inner monologue with Batman, but from my recollection, have you read a Batman comic? <laughs> Well, oh, and, and an inner monologue based on this, like, does Batman still feel guilty about the death of his parents? Does he still feel like he caused that incident? Like, I would believe so. That's yeah. why he's doing this. And I feel like that would have a direct influence on his self-esteem. Like, he can't stop until all the criminals are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his crusade now because he let one criminal kill his parents uh, because he chose to be a little pansy wuss. To tell his father, I can't be here. I'm having Mm -hmm. an anxiety attack, which is a serious thing. But at the same time, that anxiety attack then just got affiliated with the death of his parents. And so therefore he he felt, oh, I'm not allowed to have fear anymore because once I have fear, someone's going to die. So then, of course, she just gets rid of it because he can do that. Why? Because he's Batman. Yeah, there there is that clause. The there because I'm Batman, I can do just about anything. Just fill in the X. Um, well, yes, it's but <laughs> name something I, impossible. He can do it. Yeah, he probably has a contingency for it. Um, but like because he has that lingering like motivation, I guess can he really like ac- accept the fact that he really didn't cause that? Like in ninety nine percent of other scenarios, he Martha and Thomas would just walk to the car and leave. Like there, it was just happen chance, happenstance that Joe Chill was just like bang bang, give me them pearls, <laughs> stick them up, yeah, see. <laughs> um, so I feel like his self acceptance isn't quite there, especially when you're divided between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's take a little divergence here and let's talk a little bit about the villains. Okay. And we get the the Two Face is a reflection of the duality of man. Harvey Dent was the best best of all of us, and then he became the worst. Because he didn't have the resilience that Batman did once death entered his life. Um, he was this great, great, honorable person. But as soon as his girlfriend died, he went nuts. And then we have Joker, who is just nuts. And let's talk a little bit about how the Joker and Batman relate to one another in The Dark Knight. So what do we have here? Joker has a death wish? Yeah, because essentially if Joker dies... By the hand of Batman, he feels fulfilled. He is validated because he's gotten Batman, this perfect human, to do something that he has sworn against and nobody's been able to do. Like, mm-hmm. he'll live forever, basically, in death. Yeah. That's the ultimate life goal, mm-hmm. is to is to find the one... Because he's able to break anyone. The Joker has proved that time and time again. 
and is that um, you get me in a room alone with any person and I can make them do what I want them to do. He's mm-hmm. essentially a master of human psychology yeah. and yeah. manipulation. For as absolutely psychopathic that the Joker seems, like he is – they put it this well in, in the documentary that he is scarily sane because he has all these well-orchestrated and manipulated plots to like just, just destroy Gotham um, on a whim. But well, he, the only reason he's destroying Gotham is because it means so much to Batman. Yeah, which, which, which he has just this odd, just fascination with Batman because they think he thinks that they're they're basically kindred souls, and in a way, of course, are, are they? They are. Yeah, well, because uh, they are the conflict. Yeah, they are the the greatest conflict, the most interesting conflict that the audience has, and it's also the the perfect conflict of I'm a person doing everything I can. Everything I believe that is right. Mm-hmm. There's this force out here doing everything it can to stop me. And confliction, confliction. Yeah. And you can kind of fill in like the X, like what perspective is that from with both Joker and Batman, which is a great duality. And um, there's some great symbolism in the film. Like in the very first bank robbery scene, Joker takes off his clown mask. And ironically, there's just another clown face underneath it. And then he calls for the unmasking of Batman, but then he's like, no, 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 wait, 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 I want it to be a mystery. Because if he knows that there's just, like, a person underneath there, then, like, the mystery is gone. He just wants to believe that Batman is kind of just Batman underneath. He's just kind of filled with this darkness and this rage <laughs> and vengeance. And um, he, he just really wants to tie them together because, I mean, <gasps> if, if Batman's, um, like made a different decision in his life or went down a different path, he could have easily become the Joker or, or someone like him. Like, um, take, for example, the, technically the city and its inhabitants like, took away his parents, took away his, uh, his shield. They, they made him feel vulnerable and unsafe for a large portion of his life. He could have easily just raised Gotham. I mean, not easily, but he could have gone down the path towards like, where his main goal was just to completely annihilate Gotham. True. Yeah. Well, there was that was the that was the whole plot of Batman Begins. Is that's where he should have gone. Mm-hmm. That's where Ra's al Ghul wanted him to go. This city has done nothing for you. You should destroy it. That's the only yep. way we can build something better. Is if it's all gone. He's like, no. I believe I can save it. My parents believed they could save it. I'm not going to do the same thing my parents did in how they tried to save it because that didn't work. <laughs> but because one mistake happened, one thing happened, yeah. and now the finality of it is now nothing else will work. So I'll, now I'm going to go punch evil in its stupid face. Pretty much, yeah. Um, just a, a little aside here. Um, I don't know if this was Christopher Nolan or Heath Ledger, but there is this this very subtle like nod towards uh, tardive dyskinesia. In, Explain. Yeah. Um, so it's a uh, condition brought on by very intense or very elongated usage of antipsychotic drugs. And it results in these involuntary movements that could be like lip smacking, tongue flicking, like erratic mu- movement or like kind of like jerky movement, which is kind of like like the Joker has a very like systematic way of moving. He's not very – I guess I haven't seen – all of the film in a while, but he, he moves in, I guess I'd say very jerky or almost robotic 
type of way. Especially, I'm, I'm thinking, like little jolts of electricity yeah. are going out through uh, random parts of his face and upper body. Very much so. so like yeah. he has little twitches and ticks. Uh, and of course, when he talks, he's uh, he ends a lot of his words at a. Yep. Um, and especially like I'm, I'm thinking, focusing most on like when he's walking away from the hospital that gets blown up. He's, he's just kind of like almost like a scuttle, just like a very quick, <laughs> very planned, Ar- arms wide, yeah, head a little shaky, and just like la di da di day. Yeah, this so, is me. But that's a side effect. Yep. Of what you're speaking of, what was it called? Tardive dyskinesia. And that's when is that's oh that's the name of the thing. Mm-hmm. Oof, sorry. That's what you get when you go off antipsychotic drugs after being on them. Um, I believe it's just a side effect of like over intense usage or Ooh. like usage for too long. Oh, so, so there's this implication that Joker tried yeah. to get better, or maybe not out of his own volition, mm. but there perhaps was some history to that. Yeah. Ooh, we reading. We're reading into this, gang. Mm. We're getting deep. Yeah, or. It, yeah, we could be reading into it too deep, and it was just Heath Ledger being like, it's fun I, to could think. Just, I could just smack my lips and flick my tongue. <laughs> That'd be good. Well, I That'd mean, neat. the preparation that Heath Ledger went through for this role, right? Locked himself in his uh, apartment for like three months. Yeah. Something like that for a very long amount of time. I don't have the exact number, but – and no communication with like the outside world. And all he did was just journal and limited his sunlight. So – <laughs> devotion first of all and that'll mess a guy up yeah oh 100 like, percent. holy cow well now what we have is this legendary yeah. performance mm-hmm. god rest his soul i mean it will literally kill infants if they're just left in that same environment yeah. i mean they could be fed and and closed and whatever but if they don't they don't get that contact and especially if they're given antipsychotic drugs like <laughs> a human will die and and it's only because he's matured enough biologically that he's able to endure that but his emotional well-being and his mental state are are, are pretty every day it takes sh- away shattered. yeah and i mean there there isn't a confirmed backstory the the joker just kind of gives these er- erratic lies yeah. like my father there's violence in yeah. his life there's uh no connect is a as a poor connection with women in his stories and there's just abuse and that's how he phrases it. It's just the world never did, hit, did him any fav- favors. No matter which story you listen to, it's always cruel and unforgiving. And now he's just giving it all back by teaching people that I broke. Therefore, all of you can break. And I'm going to find each and every one of you's breaking point. The only time that the people triumphed was the ferry boat scene where both yep. sides refused to blow up the other. And we got to see that Joker couldn't break them in that moment. But how much of that do you think is because of Batman and his his influence on the on the city? Did he make a promise to them? Did he communicate to the ferry boat people that he was going to stop the Joker? Or did they just believe that Batman was going to stop it in time? Because he hasn't stopped the, the other events. There mm-hmm. was a mayor that died, a commissioner that died, and a, a bunch of innocent people being executed on television. Yep. Well, I think that touches on the main theme of the, um, the Dark Knight Rises, which is inspiration. Because you have Batman like coming head to head with the Joker, someone who is so emotionally numb that he probably cannot feel fear. So you have Batman's essence and persona and primary weapon all disabled just just because this dude exists. Mm-hmm. And it's very prevalent in the, in, in the entire film, even in the very beginning when you've got that like. Um, 
not Batman, Batman. Oh, that, the yeah. imposter. Yeah. The wannabe. Basically, yeah, exactly. The hockey basically. pads guy. Mm-hmm. So he's he's inspiring people all around to try and do the right thing. Be like be like Mike, but Mike is Batman. <laughs> like Mike. Wouldn't that be a stellar <laughs> be crossover? Like Jordan. <laughs> he put on shoes and you become Batman? Little Bow Wow. <laughs> oh, it'd be <laughs> And little Bow Ben at Ben Affleck. <laughs> in the Dark Knight Dunks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So let's get to the, the big last topic then. Uh, okay. Is Batman sane? Right? Yeah. that's It's a hotly debated topic. Um, it truly is. And the experts are all uh, – psychologists who also like comics are kind of all over the <laughs> – like there is no – That's how there, it is. There is no like Batman psychology PhD. <laughs> You're never going to find that. Well, there's no real societal use for it, it was, other than a good yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, just initially, Mauer, what would you say? Oh, he's crazy. Really? He's crazy, dude. That? Oh, yes. 100%. I mean, in the end, Batman has unyielding self-discipline. He's able to achieve anything simply because he wills it. And that's an inspiration. That's a modern myth. That's a tale that's, every, that's what everyone looks forward to in a Batman story is that he's going to come out on top because he's just a guy with brains and muscles and he, he worked for those and um, he looks cool in a suit. But the thing is, in real life, if we saw what he did, if we saw some sort of dude trying to be Batman, and we have, we go, it's probably not going to work out, guy. It's probably because we don't believe that they're unrelenting. We don't see their inner monologue. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can read a Batman comic and you get into this guy's brain uh, and this 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 legend's brain. He's a legend. Uh, the legend of a dark knight in that you know this guy's unrelenting. He's never going to kill. That's That's his thing. But in the real world, you hear someone go, we have this vigilante out there. Apparently, he's very wealthy, he's got a lot of high-tech gadgets, and he's fighting crime. I'd be kind of worried of, like, what if that shows up on my doorstep? Like, I don't commit crime, but someone next to me could commit crime, and boom. Like, what is, what's the, because in the, in the Dark Knight, he was just blowing up cars and calling it intimidation. <laughs> That's what the very first scene in the Batmobile shows up, and it mm-hmm. goes into intimidation mode, and it starts blowing up cars. And I'm like, that's someone's car. Like you're making some like you that's not you don't even know if that's a criminal's car and what what degree of criminalhood deserves your punishment do they have to murder how much do they have to rob how many acts of heinous crimes did they have to commit to deserve the Batman iron fist so i think this dude's honestly and and he's a fantastic fictional character i love him he's f- amazing but if we're talking real world, he's nuts. And let's not even get started on his wards. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's probably why the wards weren't in the trilogy. Yeah. Because um, no one would believe it. Well, and you have to hire a child actor. Like, <laughs> let's be real here. Yeah. Before I get into it, just imagine little Bow Wow as Robin. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd stick that thought in your head. I'd like, I'd like uh, um, Jaden Smith Karate Kid years oh, as Robin. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> How can the Joker be real if our eyes aren't real? <laughs> um, but I, I guess, like, imagining that I'm a like some th- sort of therapist or 
or, or, or a psychiatrist, psychologist, any of these professions, and, you know, uh, my 5 o'clock comes in and, oh, it's Batman. Like, what do you say to Batman about his condition that he doesn't already know? We just talk him through it. That dude's got some anger down there. He just needs to get it out. But but he recognized this, recognizes this. One of the most um, well you or most widely used um, therapeutic method me- methods, excuse me, is called cognitive behavioral therapy, and that's basically um, where you would talk to a patient and be like, "Hey, you need to just take a step back sometimes and like realize what you're doing." Like, if I'm talking to someone who's in an abusive relationship and doesn't want to leave it, I'd be like, "Hey." Why don't we just take a step back? You're not, you're not whoever you are right now. Just, just try and uh, see the spectrum of what your life is and then make changes from there. But if Batman is already, like, cognitive of what he's doing, it's, it's scarily similar to the Joker because the Joker knows what he's doing. But I feel like Batman also knows what he's doing, but he's doing it for the right cause. Yes. It's something that we as a society agree with, that we agree with his morals. Uh, you have a you have a guy who's you know putting justice into his own hands, and because we think it's okay, it, we're cool with it. Um, but I mean, th- there's got to be some things we don't agree with. Again, Blowing the security up, yeah. versus freedom, and how because jo- Joker, the whole plot was to make turn Batman into a tyrant, kill me, because then now you're able, you're resorting to to murder to maintain the status quo. Uh, and once you do that, you become draconic. You become a tyrant. You become the, uh, uh, without a doubt, a fascist. And you are using this technology to keep people within bounds. So that makes you a technocrat. And Joker wasn't able to do it fully. He was able to do it temporarily in the final scene where he has those sonar things. Everybody's sonar, the sonar. And he's able to see everyone's life. And in that moment, Batman became a fascist because he could see everyone. Mm-hmm. He could he could know everything. He became Big Brother. and But then he, he burned it all as soon as he was done using it. So Joker succeeded in a very limited fashion. But let's bring it back to insane. Yeah. Insane is more of like a legal term. Uh, mm-hmm. Insanity is it's basically complete disassociation from the world. And that's where I'd argue that Batman is 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 more on the sane side. He knows like because he's so cognitive and he knows what he's doing, he's not disassociated in any way, shape, or form. He's very grounded. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm trying to develop and, a counterpoint. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 very I have a hard time wrapping around my head because I do completely recognize any of the proponents for Batman being kind of off his rocker, but having someone who's as self-actualized as he is, but also being um, insane, quotation marks, um, is such like a psychological oxymoron (laughs) that it blows my mind. It's the wonderfulness of the character. Mm -hmm. It's so much conflict. It's so much internal conflict among external but okay, in, in the end, it, whether or not Batman is insane or not, let's just bring it back to how it's, it's an inspiration. Yeah. The ultimate human. Always, always, always the ultimate human. And this person, we're assuming, doesn't exist in real life. This Batman 
character. Um, so we have to live vicariously through his stories. And through that, we sort of embody his values, never giving up, never letting crime win, never becoming a victim, always becoming the person that stops, that puts their foot down and stands up for their values and fights back. That's what Batman is. And you can attribute that to almost any conflict in your life of never giving up, moving forward, and being Batman. Because in the end, Batman is your hero. He is. He's going to stop the bad guys. And you want to be just like him. (laughs) Although he may not want you to be. He wants you to find your own way. (laughs) He doesn't want you in hockey pads fighting criminals. But He's willing to sacrifice his image. He's willing to endure the public hate and being chased for all his life just so that you have the opportunity to feel safe, to not give in to fear. Yeah. That's the Dark Knight. That's totally what it boils down to, like a million percent. So I was going to wrap it up today. Got a little somber a little bit at the end, a little... Little chest filly. <laughs> yeah, we in the in the course of what forty five minutes to an hour. Yep. Um That's went a... went from porn to <laughs> we porn to the porn? yeah we started with porn yeah I don't remember that Roly St Louis oh <laughs> yeah that's right okay well <laughs> I think that's we're gonna that's where we're gonna cut it off for this episode of the Dark Knight the psychology of the Dark Knight and so that'll do it today so I'm your comic book cultured host. Michael Maurer. Uh, I'm Alec Peterson, and I had a blast doing this. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for being here, Mr. Peterson. Hope to... Uh, Roly St. Louis, oh, please. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. That's right. Stage names only. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a stage name. Oh, damn. What should I go by? Scratman? You know, you just do what you... If Batman has taught us anything, you just... Do what you do. What feels right. Do what feels right. Uh, unless, you're, unless you're Rachel Ghoul. Uh, unless it's killing people, don't yeah. do that. Do what feels right and do what feels harm morally others. light, right, and is ethical. Do what your parents. Do what Batman you? would do. Basically, yeah. what would what would Batman what name would himself Batman if he do? wasn't Batman? Yeah, yeah. Do what Batman would do, and that's where we're going to leave you today. Go do something heroic. See you later, everybody. Red what? Red what? Huh. Catcher in the rye. Catcher in the rye? <laughs> Catcher in the what? Catcher, Catcher in the, the what? Break, break, break it down. John Lennon isn't dead. Neither is Tupac. Obama is a lizard man. And we fight with Grimlock. <laughs> Grimlock smash. Grimlock smash. Roar, dinosaur, roar, dinosaur, Grimlock smash. Autobots transform. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Freestyle rapid.